Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Episode 12, pastoral priority number one, which is personal holiness. Let's pray. Father, I need your help. I thank you for guiding me during the prep time. I ask that you would lead my speech and you would help me to point these listeners to Jesus. And uh, Father, we just thank you for your grace that's upon us even right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I certainly hope you have enjoyed these podcasts as much as I have enjoyed recording them. It has been a lot of fun for me, and I hope it has been for you as well. Now, I say it in the intro, I think, or in the outro, but if you have been enjoying these, I would love if you would go and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you use and share the episode. If it's helpful, pass it along to some seminary friends or some younger pastors, older pastors, pastors in between, whoever could be benefited by listening to this, well, pass it along. And I hope it is helpful. Today, we're diving into a seven-week series on pastoral priorities, these seven pastoral priorities. What I just finished up was the five callings of a pastor. So who is a pastor? Identity stuff. Now I'm getting into the work. What is the work of shepherding? Today I want to talk about personal holiness. Now I'm not talking about just Jesus and me pastoral ministry. So what I talk about today is not to be excluded from his wife and the local church if he is married. But The pastor has to have a walk with God. And we're going to look at three things primarily today, more specifically, three people. We're going to look at Jesus, Paul, and Apollos, and we're going to pull out some things about personal holiness that I think will be helpful. But first, let's consider the pastor and his need for Jesus. The pastor is a man who, like Paul, knows that he is the chief of all sinners. In fact, it's like the pastor is somebody who stands alongside of Paul and argues with him and says, no, Paul, it's not you. I am the chief of all sinners. Priority number one of pastoral ministry is knowing deeply your need for Jesus and coming to him for your need. And we come to Jesus over and over and over again in pastoral ministry. We desperately need Jesus because we know our indwelling sin. We're driven to Jesus daily. That's what pastoral ministry is. It's being broken and running to Jesus for healing. James chapter 3, verse 1 has been a passage that's struck fear into so many people who have wanted to be teachers or preachers of the Bible. And I think it rightly so needs to strike fear into people. It says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For years I wrestled with that passage. What in the world does it mean that you're going to be judged with greater strictness? Well, here's what I think James is doing in that. I think James is using the law in a specific way. What I think he's doing is speaking to would-be teachers and teachers who have been called preachers of the word and using the law specifically for pastors to drive us to Jesus. In other words, we should hear that verse and we could sh- we should shake in our boots and we should think, I desperately need Jesus and we, we should cling to Christ. Pastors lead the way in knowing our own sinfulness intimately and clinging to Jesus. The call for pastoral ministry is a call it's a call of humility. We are running to Christ over and over and over again. I think that's what James is doing. So the pastor knows he has a great need and he knows that he has a greater Jesus for his need. 
Now, let's turn our attention to Jesus, and then let's look at Paul and his words to Timothy, and then we'll finish up talking about Apollos, Jesus. Let's look to the Jesus, the chief shepherd. Jesus was never in a hurry. I love this. You look through the Gospels, and you just look at his life, and his life is so free. It really is. Some would define Jesus' life almost as lazy, and he wasn't lazy. But he wasn't scared to walk away from the crowd. I mean, who's secure enough to not, I mean, who's secure enough to walk away from a crowd? Really? He was never in a hurry. He just wasn't. He knew what to do and when to do it, what to say and when to say it, what not to say and when not to say it. He was spending time alone. He was in prayer with his father. He knew who he was. He was secure. I mean, how else could you walk away from a crowd who was wanting more from you? In John chapter 6, you know, he feeds the 5,000 and he just, walks away. He's free from the need of false praise. I mean, what kind of pastor is this that doesn't need um, this false adoration or praise? But he knew what he was supposed to do. And he was not in a hurry. He wasn't busy. Eugene Peterson. I love Eugene Peterson. And he picks up on this, and I want to read this to you. And I love Eugene because he doesn't write for shock factor. No, he's too good of a writer, too good of a thinker for that. And we, by the grace of God, need to be, instead of shock value preachers, we, we need to work to have provocative language as we speak. Not uncouth, not unholy, provocative. And this is what Eugene Peterson does when he writes to pastors. It's just provoking. Here's what he says in his book, The Contemplative Pastor, in the chapter, The Unbusy Pastor. It's another chapter that I'll never forget reading. It's just amazing. Here's what he says. The poor man, we say... He is so devoted to his flock. The work is endless, and he sacrifices himself so unstingingly. But the word busy is a symptom not of commitment, but of betrayal. It's not devotion, it's defection. The adjective busy set as a modifier to pastor should sound to our ears like adulterous to characterize a wife or embezzling to describe a banker. It's an outrageous scandal. It's a blasphemous affront. I am busy because I'm vain. I want to appear important, significant. What better way to do that than to be busy? The incredible hours, the crowded schedule, the heavy demands of my time are proof to myself and to all who will take notice that I am important. I am busy because I am lazy. I indolently let others decide what I will do instead of resolutely deciding myself. I will let people who do not understand the work of the pastor write the agenda for my day's work because I am too slipshod to write it myself. The pastor is a shadowy figure in these people's minds, a marginally, a marginal person vaguely connected with matters of God and goodwill. Anything remotely religious of somehow well-intentioned can be properly assigned to the pastor. Goodness gracious, I love quoting Eugene Peterson just because he has such great things to say in pastoral ministry. And as he speaks to pastors about being busy or lazy or trying to fill this significance gap through this kind of false work or this idea of, of just always doing something, just religious busy work, is so far from the life of Jesus. The life of Jesus was just so free, and what he models for us in shepherding is care for people, love for people, and a humble walk with God that's free to walk away from a crowd. We don't have to be impressive. Jesus was free to not impress people, and by the grace of God, so can we. So, Paul to Timothy. Now, what does he say to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4? Well, he says some really good stuff. He speaks to Timothy's youth, but then he speaks universally to all pastors in verse 11 through 16. Here's what he says. Command and teach these things. 
Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy with the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Be the example, Timothy. Paul to Timothy, hey, you're young. That doesn't matter. Be the example. Set the example. And not just in external action, Timothy. Set the example in these things. Speech, conduct, love, faith, purity. These things work themselves out from the inside, not just outside. I've talked before about pastoral ministry and the disconnect from the internal life and the external performance or the external life. To be the example in these things is not to just do some things externally, but it's a commitment to the internal life, the internal world. In other words, if we're going to be in pastoral ministry and set the example, we've got to be the man, not the man, Jesus is the man, but we've got to be a man, wrestle with God, and by grace become the type of person who from the inside out is living a real life. We're not fakes or religious phonies. Men like this become like this, not through external performance or even exercising our giftings, although Paul tells Timothy to do that, to grow in those giftings. It comes from a humble walk with the Lord. It comes from the prayer closet. It comes from knowing Jesus and walking with him humbly. To be a man is not to just be out there and be a leader and to go out and look at me and beat my chest and say, I've got this, you follow me. Although Paul does say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's a whole lot different thing than follow me while you follow my vision. Follow me while I follow Christ does not follow me and follow me into my vision. Totally different worlds. But we are to set the example. And to do that in our external actions is to be that in our internal life. We are growing by God's grace. Third, I want to look at Apollos. Apollos has been long intriguing to me. And then I heard a, a while back some really good comments of, about Apollos from Paul Maxwell on Doctrine and Devotion podcast. Paul Maxwell speaks in greater detail about this in his uh, podcast, The Self-Wire Phenomenon. I encourage you to look up both of those podcasts, two of my favorite podcasts, just some really, really great stuff. But Paul Maxwell spoke specifically about Apollos, and I had long thought about Apollos and Paul, but more thinking about Paul and not domineering over Apollos. And then considering Apollos and the resolve that he has has been a lot of fun. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 12, we see this. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the brothers, with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. My goodness, Apollos and his resolve, his backbone, his grit. Stay the course. Do what's right, even when others don't see it. Have the ability to look at other people and say, that's not what God wants me to do. That is not what I am supposed to do. Apollos was able to look at Paul, and I imagine a face-to-face confrontation. Paul saying, Apollos, listen, they need you there. They desperately need you there. And Apollos was able to look back and say to him, well, I'm needed here. And this is where God wants me, Paul. I don't need to go to Corinth. When I have time, I'll come. But not right now. There's nothing you could say to me, Paul, that would make me go to Corinth right now. God has me here, and this is where I'm going to stay until 
I see otherwise. This is the kind of pastors that we need. Pastors who see that their first priority is their life with God. Their life just with them and with God. Not to the exclusion of their wives, if they're married, and the rest of the church or their elders. But the pastor knows what it means to walk with God. Me and God. To care for the sheep, to be the shepherds God calling us to be. It requires freed men. Men who have been set free from the opinions of others and who are regularly running back when they feel the opinions of others pressing down upon them and they feel it too much. They're regularly running back to Jesus over and over again because they know how desperately they need Jesus. And then they find freedom again in Christ. And then repeat. That's what pastoral ministry is. It's failure running to Jesus again, failure running to Jesus again, getting some help, growing a little bit, uh, walking with Jesus and humbly loving the sheep as best that we can. This is the kind of men we need in pastoral ministry today. So pastoral priority number one, the pastor and personal holiness or personal integrity. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.